You're listening to episode 135 of The STEM Space. Today, we're delving into the subject of whether students should focus on acquiring specific knowledge or developing strong critical thinking skills built on discovering relationships. We'll explore the importance of equipping students with the ability to think independently and critically, weighing the balance between content knowledge and cognitive abilities. Additionally, we'll discuss the significance of public speaking skills, guidance on where to obtain effective scope and sequence resources, and other key aspects of fostering well-rounded and thoughtful learners in today's education landscape. Let's rock it. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Hey. Hey. How's it going? Good. It's uh, flooding here. It's very, lots of rain. I don't think it takes very much rain to flood College Station. That is get, true. Like, sprinkles. Yeah. And then it's just chaos trying to get to campus because all the students are just still going to leave five minutes before class and rushing and there's always chaos. But today I'm at home. <laughs> That's good. I am also at home today because my kids are sick. Oh. So, yeah, our school was down 17% yesterday I like how um, you have this exact percentage <laughs> because I hate statistics so which I realize I actually do like it but I really don't want to like it so yeah, you are a skeptic you will not just when someone says there is a relationship this causes this you're like but does it and exactly there's too it. many variables for exactly. me to trust things yeah. And I've seen too many misuse of statistics. So yeah, I am a skeptic. You're right. Mm-hmm. But you still like data. Um, I do love data. You like good statistics, I guess. Yes. Which speaking of data, I don't know if this is relevant for um, podcast topic, but we have had a week or actually more, a couple days of chaos with our website because it mm. automatically updated. But we have some spreadsheets that are now embedded, and we love spreadsheets. That's how I had no idea where you were taking this. <laughs> nice, nice. But another another reason to want to become a STEM space member is because there's now the scope and sequence that's embedded, right? Okay, so shout out to Leah who actually requested this. Um, she became a member of the STEM space and was trying to find something this weekend when the website crashed. And so all search functions no longer worked, buttons weren't working. And so that was just, I'm so sorry, Leah, for that introduction to our website. It normally (laughs) operates a lot better, Um, but she was really nice about it and sent us a message in the chat and said, Hey, I'm trying to find this. I'm having a really hard time. And I love your K-8 STEM scope and sequence. And what would be fabulous is if your spreadsheet right now, it's in Google Sheets, every tab is a different grade. If there's a way I can just click, I want to do first grade, this topic, and I could just download it instantly on the STEM space. I'm a paying member. And I was like, I bet there's a way. 
So figured out some custom code where you can embed this spreadsheet and it is now inside the STEM space. It is being updated this week. So by the time this podcast comes out, it will have all the links working. And basically you can directly click everything for every grade and it'll just give you the lesson right there. So good. Which is what we wanted at the beginning. It's just so hard to keep something where it's constantly updating because we are constantly updating it with we have standards in there. Every time we have new products, we're trying to make it so that anything, any questions that you have, your supplies, whatever you need, it's all there. And a scope and sequence is what it is. So if you want to know how to teach anything or want to know what you should be teaching, it's all there and it's all neatly organized and searchable in the STEM space. So if you are not a STEM space member, we still love you and you can still get this. So from our website, and we'll drop a link in the show notes. um, It just won't be embedded nicely for you unless you become a member and can access it on our website through our member login. That's right. All right. I'm going to take this in a different direction. You ready? Let's do it. So I got this email this morning and it's a professor that, okay, professors like to pontificate and just, you know, I imagine what them you just say? pontificate, what? like think, just ponder. Isn't that a word? Did I make it up? I don't know, but I've never heard that word before and you just blew my mind. I haven't had all my coffee yet. Pontificate? <laughs> well, audience out there, tell me if I made up a word, but I definitely use this word. <laughs> what? Okay. <clears throat> Professors like to think. Uh-huh. To think, yeah. And make so, things harder than it is by well, saying maybe. Um, well, I just love it that they feel the need to send emails on listservs that were like, I was reading this textbook this morning and I came <laughs> across this quote and I wanted to share it with you. So Claire, I'm going to share this quote with you. Um, but it's actually, I like it. It's from the founder of the Montessori school. Okay. And it's part of this idea of how to cultivate scientific thinking, but it's much broader than just how to teach science. So here's a quote. To teach details is to bring confusion. To establish relationships between things is to bring knowledge. Whoa. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Interesting. There's lots of layers to that, I feel. Yeah. I think, I think what we try to do, especially, and this was from a university engineering faculty, in STEM fields, we try to cram everything into a lecture, and I have to give you all the details of how everything works, and here's mm-hmm. this problem, and all the nuances, and even in K-12, when we're trying to teach science, there's, you know, this sometimes works like this and sometimes works like this. And I think what it's trying to say is take a step back and give kids the big picture and Mm -hmm. connect the pieces for them because that is really hard to do when you're new to something. And let them fill in the gaps of the details. Um, For example, right now I'm teaching this week about light. And this really resonated with me because I'm often worried I'm oversimplifying and I'm just giving some really big ideas and I could spend the whole lecture just telling them, lecturing, 
Um, but instead I have them do some experiences and then I try to make these connections they may have never made between types of energy and what light really means when I look around the room, why can I see things? Those, that was like, okay, maybe this is the right approach. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that is something that I've been trying to work on more this year as well. And mine looks a little different than than what yours does because I have smaller children, I think. But it's the same concept. I've tried to kind of pull back the curtain more and not being as teachery, but more like, uh, let me just give you insight as to what I'm trying to do here. Not just, uh, hey, let's build a catapult. Like what I want you to do is understand how to think about it. So this is where I'm trying to get you to go. And so one thing I did is something that we talk about all the time is I told them, hey, the reason why I don't show you a lot of pictures is because your brain will then automatically try to copy it. Mm-hmm. But what I want you to do is see the relationship between the science concepts and what you're, you're building right now. And so I showed them a picture of a catapult, which is on the, our product and it shows the different parts of a catapult and what you need. I said, I want you to figure out why you need to have every part of this catapult. But I don't want it to look like this. And so they started drawing catapults of what they're going to be building. And then I looked at several of their drawings. I said, okay, well, tell me why it needs wheels. How does that make it work like a catapult? And I said, well, the picture. I was like, uh and they're like, oh, I'm trying to make it look like the picture. I was like, yeah, but what makes it a catapult? So then I started doing things around my room, throwing things, flinging things, uh, moving things. I said, tell me which things are a catapult. And they started being like, oh, wait, so is your arm a catapult if it can throw? I said, mm. well, you tell me. And so we talked about the energy part, like what is stored energy are the things that I'm doing, storing energy and then releasing it? Is that what makes something a catapult? So it's, it's the whole relationship building and not just giving details of this is what you need to build. This is how you do it. Right. And that as an educator, you often feel this burden of teaching everything and imagining you're filling the students with knowledge and you were like, I have to give them everything I know so they can walk away and fully understand it, but they have to do the work. Um, and you're the guide. And I imagine this, like you're building these structures in their brain. So then they have places to put the knowledge, but you can't fill it. You're just giving them kind of that base, that foundation, and then they're building it themselves. Yeah. What's that quote about if you give a man a fish, they'll eat for a day. If you teach them to fish, they'll be full for oh, life or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That no, that's good. Yeah, that, right? Yeah. So we're trying well, to teach our kids how to fish. And by the way, I looked up if my word was real. <laughs> you is were it talking. And is it is real. Pontificate. <laughs> it's a verb. Let me read it to you. We were pontificating <laughs> right now. Expressing one's opinions in a way considered annoyingly pompous and dogmatic. <laughs> Oh, okay. So maybe wasn't using it quite in the right uh, <laughs> context, but... Um, I think you just insulted all professors. Well, I guess that is kind of what I meant to say, though. 
<laughs> that they pontificate. Yeah, I stand by it. I think that's good. And um, that's a really good word to use to insult people, possibly, because they probably don't know what you're actually saying. Exactly. I like that. No, thank I, you honestly, though, me. I thought it meant to ponder. Like, it was a variation of, like, thinking, ponder. pondering, pontificating. Pondificate. That's pontificate. Yeah, this I don't know if that's real. But annoyingly <laughs> pompous is <laughs> really funny. Are you being pontificish if you say pontificate? Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> uh, so I keep a record of... I try to learn something new every day. I don't know if you know I do this, but I keep a record of the things that I learn every day because I, I want to be a lifelong learner. And so you that's my thing today. Yes. Is this a journal? Like, do you actually write it down? I I used to. I've kind of slacked since having Finya. But yeah, I used to have on my calendar, I'd write down every day what I learned. If you got through the day and did not learn anything, did you Google stuff? Yes. Or I usually ask somebody, I, it's usually my husband, I'll say, I didn't learn anything today. Tell me something I don't know. And he'll tell me something. He's so, full of yeah. knowledge. Yes. I feel like full he knows a bunch of random yeah. things. It's, yeah. I do learn things. I know a lot about concrete. More than I'd ever need to know. <laughs> you might want to give some context as to what knows so much about concrete. He, he's an entrepreneur and engineer in construction. And he uh, has businesses that build the things that mix all the concrete. And he has businesses that lay concrete. Uh, so there's lots of things having to do with concrete. Mm -hmm. Explain to me why our husbands have one never been on a career chat or ever joined us on the podcast. Uh, because, um, they because they pontificate. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> yeah we'll have like debates with justin because i talked about him all the time on this podcast and i know he's listening um yeah. and i'm always like we should just talk this out on the podcast and he's like absolutely not <laughs> and well so what's bad about that is your husband's actually a professor so he like teaches so mm -hmm. he should do this yeah. He hates recordings. So one time he was asked to do like those on camera, say something about your research and, you know, make it sound cool. And he just did not, could not do that well. Like he had to do so many takes and you have to like memorize the script. He just didn't like it. Interesting. Um, and he doesn't like the off the cuff kind of discussions. He wants to really think about it and prepare and know exactly mm -hmm. how he wants to phrase it, which Hopefully students aren't listening. He does not prepare for his own class. So, <laughs> but he just knows the material so well. He can just go up there and just, okay, what are we doing today? Okay, let's go. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Right. Hmm. <laughs> well, I feel like, so when I was uh, working for Boeing commercial airlines up in Seattle, I, I was an intern and Boeing is an amazing company because they're really they really promote education. And so they said, if you work for Boeing and you want to take a course in something or get another degree, we'll pay for it all. And I was an intern, but I still had those benefits. I said, okay, I'm going to sign up for every course I can to take over this next three months. And so I took a course called the Dale Carnegie something, Institute something. 
and it was on public speaking. Because I thought, I am not great at that. It makes me really nervous. I feel like I need to prepare super well. And there it met every night for weeks. And every night, every class, we had to give a speech, and which was terrifying because it was a pretty big class. And I didn't know any of these people. But the prompts were always something that was like, should be familiar to you. Like, give a speech about your hero or give a speech about your favorite sport or something like that. So things that you should already know about. You didn't have to do any research, but I spent hours writing my speech and practicing it because you could not hold anything. You had to just give your speech. And then I memorized it, but you can't do that every day. You know, it was just not sustainable. So it trained me to get better about just talk. Like, you know, this it's about you. And so I would get up there and I would just, at the end, I was just like winging it, but I was so comfortable doing it because I had to do it. So I'm trying to translate that more to my students and giving them more opportunity to Mm. be uncomfortable because then they won't be as uncomfortable. That's why we got on Marco. And after being on Marco and talking to yourself day in and day out, Mm. we're better at being on camera. At least I feel like we're better. Maybe we're just better feeling uncomfortable and being awkward on camera. And being on camera is very different than teaching. Like we have a lot of teachers that we work with and they hate Marco because they're very self-conscious. Like you're looking at yourself versus like getting in front of people. I feel like are almost two different skills. That's true. Cause you don't get feedback from yourself or don't get positive feedback. Smile at yourself. (laughs) You're doing great. Um. Yeah. So I try to, when we do the reflections at the end of every challenge for my students, I actually have one of those uh, rose gold karaoke microphones and I have them stand up in front of the class and present their material using the microphones because it's not really loud, but it will make you feel more uncomfortable because you're, (laughs) you are like that. Yeah. And so it's really made them kind of come out of their shell a little bit because they're forced to be awkward, even though these are their peers that they hang around all day, every day. But uh, I think it's a really good skill to practice. So maybe with your husband, you should get him one of these microphones (laughs) or secretly film him and turn it into a podcast episode. Yeah, he would love that. (laughs) But now he's he's aware. He would know. Yeah, he's aware now. He listens to this. Okay, before this airs, you need to do this. There you go. I'll report back after. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's a really good point. And it's interesting that my students who are going to be teachers hate talking in class. And it was mm-hmm. the second day of class. And I asked them to pick a spokesperson in their table and share what they did in the lab. And nobody wanted to like talk. No, you do it. No, you do it. And and it was just, tell me what you think is inside this box. Like, it was a very silly prompt. You know, they're pulling on this, like, it's a mystery tube with ropes, and you're trying to figure out how the thing works. And I told them there was no right answer. Like, just, you can make up whatever and just give me some evidence. Um, and so they were very self-conscious. But I think also being that age of 20, 21, you're very focused on what other people think about you and your peers. And so... They're like, I'm great with second graders. I just don't like to talk in front of my class of other, you know, 20 year olds. I get that. When I have like parent meetings, I'm always like, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. 
my really good friend who she's an elementary teacher, amazing teacher, always told me she hates parent, like talking to parents and meet, like whenever she has to give some kind of presentation to other teachers, um, she's like, it's so different. And I'm like, really? Yeah, I guess I'm used to it now because I always am now interacting with teachers and adults. But mm-hmm. yeah, you. Well, it's different when it's the parents of your students that you're yeah, teaching. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. There's like an added pressure of them. I feel like they're analyzing me like, are you a good fit for my child? Like my precious child, you have to be perfect for them. Especially you, because you have this reputation of being like the STEM teacher, the STEM director, and you do all these cool things. And they're like, we signed up just for your class. Yeah. Yeah. People, homeschoolers pay just to take my class. So yeah, there's definitely added pressure. Am I performing? I had a student drop um, and it's been like, I've lost some sleep over it thinking, what did I do wrong? Um, And so like I post on social media and it's like, this is the things that are coming up. You know, I know we're in the middle of a project right now, but um, you know, we've got a lot of other cool stuff planned (laughs) thinking maybe they just, I don't know. But then I realized that they had too far of a drive because they live out of town. And so they just wasn't working out well with the drive. So I'm like, but is that really it? I don't know. It's hard. And that's like, this is just a life lesson that I've been trying to take to heart is we always put what we think people are feeling on that. Mm -hmm. You know, like that probably was totally unrelated to you, but you still feel somehow that they don't like you or didn't like the class. And that's just like in relationships all the time. Like that person must have thought that was so weird what I said or did, but they probably had not even noticed and so it's almost like, just wait for them to tell you that's how they're feeling <laughs> instead of you coming up with all these stories and ideas that probably don't exist. So should I ask, should I email? you like, did I, what did I do? Just believe that just, it wasn't you. Just <laughs> thank you. We just have to be in ourselves. <laughs> that's true. It's yeah. really the only way to get through the world is just. <laughs> Keep believing until somebody tells you you're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or get angry emails. We don't really get angry emails. We just get awkward chat messages. (laughs) We do get awkward chat. I was, okay, you were Marcoing me yesterday when uh, somebody was on the chat and I was getting like live reactions from you because they were like, hey, babe. I know. (laughs) And then started saying some words and I was like, what is happening? It's probably just a teenager. We get lots of kids that get that get on or the messages for answer keys or things were like, mm, pretty sure you're a student trying to get the answers. Well, ever since our AI post, which is how to use AI in education, oh. we get the weirdest request for AI <laughs> and how can they do this with AI? And I'm just like, we are not an AI we're company. Not AI. Yeah. No idea. I can give you ideas on how to use it for teaching. That's Which, so true. That's a whole other conversation, but I'm excited to try some stuff in my class because I, on the first day, you go over the syllabus and I gave my chat GPT policy and I looked around the room and I said, anybody here used chat GPT? And they were so scared to admit that they had even used it. And most of them were like, no, ma'am. <laughs> and I'm like, well, <laughs> my policy is you can use it. And they're like, oh, <laughs> And so I gave him a whole 
Right? I'm sure they have. And I think they have must have gotten in trouble. I've heard from people that they're cheating by using it. And so I try to just start from the beginning and say, it's acceptable in my class because I really believe that this can help you as a teacher. I personally use it to prepare for this class. Why would I not let you use it as a student? But I'm going to teach you how to use it appropriately and to help enhance your thinking. The problem is when you come to my exam and you copy and paste from ChatGPT things that we've never learned, and I told them the science will be wrong. Like you could ask ChatGPT and it'll probably give you a lot of nonsense and made up words. And that's not how to use it. It's not to find the answer for this class, it's to help you write and brainstorm. Just like math has a calculator, I've said that before, we now have this writing tool to help us. So they were shocked, actually. <laughs> the looks, they're like, oh, okay, well. <laughs> so. it's And I feel like that's a lot of things in STEM, too, is kids don't know how to function outside of how they have been taught in school of this is the way you do things, which probably goes back to that quote of too many details instead of just building a relationship in we're encouraging you, you to figure out how to learn, how to think, not to memorize a bunch of stuff within these really tight constraints. Um, I have I gave a pop quiz in my class last week, which I've never given any kind of quizzes or tests before. I just wanted to do a, an experiment with these students and say, well, uh, so I just said, okay, pop quiz, you're going to get a pencil. And they're like, what, what, over what, over what? And I was, this is when I'm doing the catapults. And I was like, okay, question number one. Um, what is this, what is stored energy called? And they're like, ah, da, 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 da. but what I was trying to get at, cause afterwards I just gave candy to whoever got the right answers. I was like, they're like, well, could, we would have done better if we'd have just been able to discuss it. And I tell them all the time, it's not cheating to share answers in my class. This is how we learn. You're helping each other. And so some of the kids did, they're like, no, that's not potential energy because or kinetic energy because this, oh yeah, remember that example of dropping the ball? And I was like, yes, that's what I want. I want y'all to discuss it. I want y'all to wrestle with it. Not just to have answers just stuck in your brain, like figure it out. This is a figure it out class. And so the ones that were cheating, quote unquote, are the ones that did well and understood it versus the ones that just like kind of gave up and they're taught to, you know, can't cheat, which don't do that in other classes. Yeah, I was like, but... that's a difficult balance because they're trained. I mean, I'm trained <laughs> to not interact with other people and like just do my own work and focus and don't copy. I mean, you don't want to copy other people's answers, but teaching collaboration while also showing you have to take tests and homework and do it by yourself. It's hard to kind of bring that together. Mm -hmm. Which would have been awkward if I don't all the time tell them, hey, figure it out together discuss it in your group. This, there's no cheating in here because you're supposed to share your answers. That's how we improve in STEM. And I always say, how many teams do we have in here? It's always one. We are all on the same team. <laughs> so right. even if you're in different groups, we're all on the same team. We're progressing forward together. We okay. fail together. We learn together. I want y'all to build relationships with the material, with what you're working on with each other not just memorizing stuff. Those are different classes, not this class. And that is just so hard to build into them. I love that you, I think both of us 
get a lot of joy of changing things up in our class and it's like a source of entertainment. Like, I wonder what would happen. If I do this. Social experiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we just like, can't do the same thing. We've talked about this before. And I was ranting like, oh, I'm doing this again. This is the third time I've taught this. And it's like, no, just teach the same thing. You know, it works, you know, it's going to go well, but then I'm bored. <laughs> yeah. So. But I, I think I will try a pop quiz one day. I will not let them, quote unquote, cheat. I really do just want to know what they think. <laughs> but it's good right. for them to also grapple with these concepts individually. And I do think there's a place for assessment. So we're not saying testing and mm-hmm. assessing kids isn't right. Um, but to your point that they immediately think that they are on their own and cannot get help um, is what you were trying to get at. So I can see that. Yeah. And it's part of that equation that I share all the time that a professor told me was the bewilderment plus exposure equals obvious. So if it's too easy and they're just like spoon fed information all the time, then they lose that bewilderment phase of that equation. They have Mm -hmm. to struggle with something and then be exposed to it over a certain period of time for it to then be obvious. So if we give them assessments, that's one way they can struggle. If we make something more challenging by saying you have to do it this way or uh, removing different things that would make it easier or providing more constraints, that's one way to make it bewildering of, I can't do this. It's like, well, you you can, but you have to struggle with it. You have to wrestle with it. That's the bewilderment phase. And then I'll help you by exposing you to it over time. And we'll, I'll help you through it. And then it becomes obvious, as obvious as things are to us now. Right. Okay. Random stat, because you love statistics to end this podcast. Let's do it. I don't remember the actual numbers, but I'll give you the ballpark. So Justin, since he won't come on the podcast, I'll just speak for him. He's like, oh, I noticed that Madeline's math scores, my daughter, she ranked really highly on her math test start of the year, but she barely improved this semester. So she came in with a lot of math knowledge and didn't really go up. Um, So he was like digging in a little bit about the American system versus other countries and how they teach math, because his thinking was she probably just wasn't pushed. She probably knows more than they're covering. And so that's why she's not gonna grow is nobody's pushing her to learn new things. Uh, So apparently in the American school system, they surveyed kids, I don't know what grades, and they found something like 10% of the kids during the school year are um, confused or like, this is hard, is their feeling. Mm. So on average, on a day in a math class, like a very small group are struggling versus in China, it's something like 70% of the kids are confused most of the time in math class. And it's something like that. I don't remember the exact numbers, but that shows you, I think there's something really important there where we try to make things so easy because we want kids to succeed and support them versus Mm -hmm. other ways of thinking about education is you should be struggling. Like this should be hard. And that pushes your brain and thinking and learning is hard. It's a muscle that you work. If we're lifting weights, we don't just stay at the five pounds. (laughs) We have to keep lifting more and more for us to get stronger. Yes. Be bewildered. That's my takeaway. (laughs) That helps you build the relationships, like in that quote. Bring it back. There we go. (laughs) And with that, as thank you for 
pontificating and <laughs> we will let uh, you guys ponder that. That's a different word, but um, for now, stem space out. Hey friend, we would like to get to know you in person and that opportunity is coming soon. Come hang out with Natasha and I in Houston, Texas on Saturday, February 10th for a Friends of Vivify lunch on us. Let us know if you plan to join us and we will send you all the details. Head to bit.ly slash meetvivify2024. That is bit.ly slash meetvivify2024. And we hope to see you there.